What's up, everybody? It's Ross James, and you're listening to another episode of Songs That Saved Me. I hope you all had a great week and are uh, continuing to weather this unique storm that we're all existing in. I just uh, launched a new venture last night uh, for anybody in the Denver Boulder area. It's called Dine From Out There, and it's basically just pairing my two favorite things, food and music. So we're doing really unique events uh, at a bunch of different restaurants and private locations across Colorado, featuring some of the best uh, Colorado restaurants and chefs paired with some of the best Colorado musicians. So last night, we were at a restaurant in Boulder called Corita. We had Big Gigantic and Joey Porter and Garrett Sayers from the Motet. And it was such a beautiful thing to enjoy a great meal and see actual live music in a in a safe, responsible, socially distant setting. So if you're interested in this idea, if you live in, in Colorado and want to check it out, we're we're announcing our whole series of shows. You can go to dinefromoutthere.com to learn more or follow Dine From Out There on Instagram. And uh, as long as we're talking about Instagram, if you're digging the show, go on and give us a follow on Instagram at songs that saved me. Uh, if you want to help keep this show commercial free, you can go to patreon.com slash songs that saved me and become a member of the show. And, uh, you know, don't forget to leave us a review right here in the Apple Podcast Store. On the program today, we've got young guitar slinger Daniel Donato. Um, this guy is a monster guitar picker and a really smart, smart dude. Super nice. Great to talk to. Great to hear these stories. So much energy and passion for what he does. Really cool to, to get to talk to him. And he's got a brand new record coming out. Uh, at the end of the month, it's called Young Man's Country, and I highly recommend it. You can check it out. You can check out one of the singles on Spotify um, right now, but uh, the whole record drops on July 31st. Without further ado, here's me and Daniel Donato. All right. Daniel, how are you doing today, dude? Man, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. It is... Um it's a crazy day in America. Absolutely yeah. wild day. And listening back to some of these songs, um, I discovered some of these songs about 10 years ago, and then some of them have been in my life. The older I get, the more I learn how long they've been in my life ever since I was, you know, literally a child. I only have memory of that stage of my life. So it's like, it's just hitting me like the actual evolution of, of, uh, of humanity and where we're at and it it doesn't feel like progress but i know there's progress being made uh so definitely yeah. a weird feeling today yeah it's pretty pretty jarring startling shocking all those things man. All and those you're things. in you're in nashville is that right i'm in nashville which has been a particularly troublesome year for the city um yeah. you know we had a lot of storms in early early march in the first week of march and you know 35 plus people died and yeah. then you know two weeks later we had the pandemic kick in and we've been having riots and just nonsense yeah yeah i've got friends that i talked to just sort of described it as like it almost parts of the city look like a war zone ever since the storms you know oh my and, god man you wouldn't believe it it's just like yeah you know i grew i grew up in this city the first time i picked up a guitar i was living here so it's like uh -huh. some 
you know, I used to go watch Sturgill Simpson play to four people. And it was like, yeah, yeah, I, would, yeah. I would sneak in through the back door. I was 16. <laughs> and it was just like that venues like that are literally in shambles now. And it's like, oh, man. it's just crazy to see that, you know, it's, it's absolutely wild. And, it, and the thing that hits me the most, man, is that y- what I realize is that y- you need to cherish as much as you can in the present moment as possible. And the, the worst way to be remembered that uh, reminded of that notion is the fact that you can't go and revisit some of those places anymore. Yeah. It's like when that ability to go and revisit is taken from you. It's like you're not yeah. the realizing you're not owed anything. Yeah, I mean and and you know the same thing sort of goes for what we do for a living, you know, oh, like that's dude. that's just sort of been taken away <laughs> in, in a flash and and who knows when it's coming back. So it who really knows? puts things in perspective when those things are stripped away, no doubt. I like when Trey Anastasio talked about it in um, <clears throat> in a Rolling Stone interview. Remember, like that, like first few weeks of during quarantine when Trey was putting out songs like every day. I remember seeing that. Yeah, he was just working in his like probably super flush Manhattan apartment, like waking up yeah. at six a.m. and just writing songs and like yeah, the literal dream. And it's like uh, he talked about he was like I remember flying before nine eleven. And it was just easy. And like things have never been the same since then. He's like, this mm-hmm. is indeed that parallel in regards to uh, entertainment industry and live interaction. It's like, you know, just the amount of experience that that one human has had and the amount of present presentness he has. It's like, indeed, like the masks are never going away. We're going to be more like Japan in that way. And it's like, mm-hmm. think of just the permanent scars that are going to happen from this. Is It's very strange, man. Very strange. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when when are people going to feel comfortable packing like a GA floor at a show, you know? <laughs> Man, I know. It's, it's crazy. weird. It's very strange, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what have you been what have you been doing during this quarantine? You know, I've seen on social media. It's funny, a friend of um mine who plays in the family band with Phil, uh Alex Coford. Yeah. Uh, actually, he turned me on to your Instagram account like a few years ago, I feel like. Damn. And, you know, I see on social media that you, you got a new album coming out and yep. you're always posting stuff. You have a podcast. Are you doing are you doing any live streams during this? What are you doing to sort of stay connected and, and stay busy? Yeah, doing live streams. We did one last night. Um, we did one last night. We're going to do a live stream Cosmic Country tour um, mm-hmm. to help promote the release of the album. And we're going to do... Uh, you know, themed nights. We're going to do uh, interaction uh, nights where, you know, fans can put together a set list for us. Yeah. Um, that kind of a thing where it's like, well, hey, it's like we can't go do a show now. So why don't we put on a show together? I love that. Yeah. And, I mean, the interactive thing is what's really missing. You know, I've done a few different kinds of streams and, you know, different Zoom private things and that kind of thing. And when you have that interaction, it's so much more satisfying and fulfilling, I think, for everybody, you know? A lot of people might not like the term, but it just comes from the family that I'm from. But it's the concept of business development, and it's like, how can you you still grow and how can you still – uh, communicate with the people that subscribe to what you do and how can you still bring value to them? And it's mm-hmm. like, how do you put your own personal um, friction aside to have like the headspace to create and do that? That honestly, the longer that this 
right when quarantine started, that was no issue for me. But like the yeah. past week, it's been hard. Like, yeah, no, I, I feel that. I was talking to Andy Frasco a couple of weeks ago, and the way he described it is like the honeymoon is over. You know? Whoa, <laughs> he's so good at euphemisms. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a trip, man. He is a a trip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But I, uh, I I agree with that a lot, you know, like there now, it, I mean, it's it's definitely up and down, you know, some days are easier and some days are harder for sure. And just, you know, trying to stay productive is the main thing. And I mean, we just keep, keep get, getting dealt, you know, more bullshit from this, this country. It's crazy. You it's know? wild. You know, David Ryan Harris did a great Instagram live stream yesterday where he was talking about what was happening in 1967, 1968, which is when he was born mm. and when his parents had, you know, when he was, his mom was pregnant with him and he was wild, man, like almost to the day, you know, within a, a six to eight week difference, which, you know, given what is that 53 years, that's not bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, we we're almost running on parallel. Martin Luther King was killed during this time. Race yeah. riots were happening during this time. Um, you know, immense cultural friction was happening during this time in the very same country that we're in today. And um, it's just wild to see. Yeah. You know, I was, um, you know, that song Eve of Destruction by Barry Maguire. No. Um, You probably do listen to it, um, you know, later. I I think you'd recognize it. Um, But it's 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 about, you know, civil unrest and mm. also talking about you know going into space and like we just the spacex thing just happened there's just, there's a lot of parallels <laughs> it's like we've come so far but we haven't really you know it's, oh it's, man yeah i was reading the lyrics to it uh check it out you know it, it resonates in a big way right now <laughs> whoa i've been wanting to write a song a plural about this time but i've been having a hard time so it's like <clears throat> just like literally writing about something that is useful for now. And yeah. um, I absolutely will listen to that. Eve of Destruction. Great. Eve of Destruction, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> one of my favorite tunes ever. It's kind of like, you know, cheesy 60s one-hit wonder kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, Phil actually, because I, I I brought it to a gig that we played with Phil one time, and he he had some hilarious story about when, like Barry came to the house when they were living in San Francisco mm-hmm. and he was just like not cool, like not hip, not on the same level as the dead, you know? Oh no. And <laughs> I can't remember. I, there's Bob did some sort of like, he, he like sang the lyrics to Eve of Destruction. Like Eve of Destruction, I don't think was like, it wasn't in the same scene, you know, it was a little bit more bubblegum kind of yeah, as the dead in the time. And they, I, I don't know. It, <laughs> Huh. funny funny to imagine that shit but uh yeah that tune man it's a good one i would do anything to uh spend time with bob weir at my <laughs> age bob Weir's why my, do you say that well he's just my ultimate hero and he's a hero that i keep um like i i've it, it's never like i uh it's not like when a kid sees Michael Jordan and is like, I want to be Michael Jordan. It's like I keep learning more about myself as a person, and then I keep seeing that Bob Weir's already done that hmm. and been there. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like he almost like um like the way that he's lived his life and the way like literally the way that I got into playing country music, the era in which of 
that I started loving country music the way I started playing it by playing live every night. Mm-hmm. And the way that Cosmic Country, the way that I'm bringing it into the century, in the 21st century, that came about very much the same way Bob Weir started bringing in the country western influence into the dead. And it was mm. like, I didn't learn that until years after. And it was like all these parallels in existence that I would just love to hang out with Bob Weir at, at, at any age, but especially at a time when he was still unveiling his story as a person. Oh, man, he still yeah. is. I mean, he's still, he still like is, yeah. such an electric person. And it's like so fun oh. to make music with, because he's coming from such a different perspective, you know, than, than anybody I've ever played with or, or known or anything, you know, like we were, I can't remember what the gig was for, but we were at Terrapin and we had taken a break at rehearsal and we're, we're going back and, I'm picking a little bit, just getting warmed up. And I started playing Wildwood Flower, right? Yeah. And he, uh, he like comes running up on stage and starts playing along. And it was just like this bizarre moment. Like, am I really playing Wildwood Flower with Bob right now? Like this is, (laughs) and he was so into it. You know, I I had, I had, I hadn't really seen him light up like that before that point. It was a really cool. Oh man. Yeah. But he's so knowledgeable. You know, they all are in, and historians really of of american music that's the thing is they're the ultimate american endeavor yeah like the grateful dead is and the culture that has been manifesting around it which it's the idea of you know you bring this bring the thing to the people and then the people continue it on Mm -hmm. and it's like it is the ultimate american thing it's like disney world it's (laughs) like it truly is it's just like it truly is that it's the most magical thing in life for me is the grateful dead and it's like i keep learning that more and more it's like went and saw them um for new year's this year and i went with my uncle who dropped out of high school to follow them uh in Mm -hmm. the mid in the mid 80s up until jerry's passing Uh and um he was at that show and like you know when my mom was pregnant with me she was very young she was 21 and mm-hmm. when she had to work when i was young and it was like so living in an apartment in new jersey um my uncle would watch me and he would like go he told me this is so and it's so messed up but he would go and like <laughs> i think they were like they would do like mushrooms on the beach with his girlfriend that he had at the time and they would bring like old cassettes and i would just dance along to the dead on the beach <laughs> him and his lady did mushrooms and this was a regular occurrence and I was a young child and it's yeah. like just unbelievable amounts of like uh, archival relevance in my life and then me going to when I when I had first started guitar and my dad gave me American Beauty because you know that was he was like you need to hear what an acoustic guitar sounds like and then Friend of the Devil comes on and it's like mm-hmm. I I remember just hearing Jerry's voice for the first time and then when I started driving at 16 17 a history teacher had come to see me play guitar at a, a gig I was playing at a place called Robert's Western World, which is uh, marketed as the home of traditional country music. Yeah, it, sure. And um, it still is. And it's like, um, I he came and saw me there one night. And the next day after class, he during the middle of class, he goes, Donato, see me after class. <laughs> I, I was a straight <laughs> A student, all honors. Like, uh, I'm pretty like, I, I had it really well together in high school, like uh-huh. in terms of uh, being able to handle the responsibility of like, you know, playing music four or five nights a week and also maintaining good grades and, and learning. And uh, I didn't know why I was getting called over. And he gives me 200 plus CDs of his entire bootleg collection. <laughs> and it was like, 
I popped in Dick's Picks Volume 1 was the first CD that was in the first binder he gave me. And, you know, Big River comes on and I'm like, I've been playing this song in bars for years. And now sure. here's this band playing it. It's like, now yeah. you can take that culture and bring it to these people who wear tie-dye shirts and they like it just as much as the people who wear snap shirts. Right. Like, and it's right. like the fact that you can take that energy and transcend it and communicate it to different people. And it lives that way. And it's like, Bob is still doing that. If you listen on his most latest album, he has yeah. that, um, um, I think he calls it darling Corey, but we played it as a dig a hole, which is the bluegrass standard, dig a hole, sure. dig a hole in the meadow. Yeah. And it's like, just absolutely crazy to see all these archival points traced in, into my musical heritage and it all relate back to the grateful dead. And so it's like, big old spiel it's just a big honor to be able to sit down and talk shop with you yeah man well right on it's it's funny you know like i i sort of come came from a different angle where i was you know playing country music bluegrass music and and like punk rock and that kind of thing and i didn't want to have anything to do with the grateful dead right you, you know i remember listening to it my my mom you know grew up in the 60s in, in california and would go see shows you know Nice. at the park and she was at altamont and all that kind of shit right no way Moder yeah monterey pop festival so monterey is uh, insane because that was three weeks after um wasn't that three weeks after martin luther king got killed uh it was 67 monterey. okay so i'm very wrong okay yeah what, what, what would it have been in 68 i don't know i'd have to look it up but uh monterey you know and it's funny, you know, like we played the 50th anniversary of Monterey with Phil, you yeah. know, a couple of years ago. And it, I remember him talking like, because, you know, he he would say that they that the dead always blew the big ones. Like all the big shows, like Woodstock, Monterey, like he, <laughs> he thought they were just t like not good sets. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. How American so, is that? Yeah, exactly. Right. You know? <laughs> man they always blew the big ones that's so funny yeah. woodstock definitely was not their best performance like anyone who likes that era of the dead would readily yeah. admit that it's like the uh robin ford who produced the record that we're about to put out played with phil um, robin ford produced the record you put you're putting out yeah wow cool very cool it's, yeah yeah i he, he, i remember phil talking about because he plays dumble amps doesn't he he plays Dumble amps. Yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> Phil talking about Dumbles. Like one of the first conversations I had with them, I think it must have been not too long after they'd played together or something. <laughs> so oh, go on, sorry. Wow, man, that's so funny. That's yeah. so cool. What's it like? Um, Phil seems to be a very alpha presence. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, you know, play. somebody else was sort of asking me that question not too long ago. It's 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 funny because it's like. He, you know, I think they were asking if he was a perfectionist. He, he's no way. Right? He's like alpha in the sense that he has a vision, you know. Right. But his vision, as far as musically, if we're talking about like a, a band leader perspective, right? He, uh, it, it's like uh, his vision involves everybody doing their own thing, you know. So mm. it's 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 wow. interesting. So it's that a concept Jerry talks about it. I guess it's like the idea of the X chemistry you hear them talk about on David Letterman. And it's like, um, when Jerry was like, can I have an ashtray? Like back when you could smoke cigarettes yeah. on TV, <laughs> and he was like, 
<laughs> he was talking about X chemistry, right? Right before the infamous quote of like, you know, after we're done with the shows, they can have them kind of a thing, which is the ultimate mm-hmm. like yeah, sure, Jerryism. Sure. But um, the X chemistry of the idea of every player needs to be on the stage to interact with each other and to lift each other up. And it's like that yeah. concept of everyone should get better when we plug these amps in and turn on. It's like yeah. that seems to be very apparent in the dialogue that you just shared about Bob or about Phil and that Robin also shared about Phil. It was that he was adamant about um, a, a, a particular um, rising of your skill, a momentum of rising upward and, and getting better with each show. And it's like, you know, Robin also played with Miles Davis as well and talked yeah. about how Miles was just that way as well. He would just make you be better. Um, like a personal trainer in music in, totally. in, in some way, uh, man. So what? What a crazy thing that must be able to do is to to plug your to plug your amp in and play with Phil. That's wild. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, in, indescribable uh, joy every, every night. Like even when the show's like not sure. a great show, yep. there's still moments that are you know like transcendental. Whoa, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, um, shit, man, I'd love to sort of hear about some of your influences, uh, you know, like, uh, what's, uh, what's song number one that you were sort of thinking of for this song? Number one goes back to the summer. I discovered country music and, um, I discovered country music by a means of wanting to make money by playing guitar. Hmm. Um, I come from a line of, uh, small business owners and, and entrepreneurial people. And no one ever has ever built any great fortunes, but you know, the Donato family in New Brunswick, New Jersey was the odd family out of the bunch. And uh, I've always been the odd guy out of the bunch, just naturally. I don't try. I truly try to not sometimes, <laughs> but it always yeah. ends up being that way. And so the fact that it's been that way my whole life in my family, something tells me I need to lean into that. But in the middle of New Jersey, um, in New Brunswick, New Jersey, my grandfather owned a, 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 a wreckage yard where they go and wreck houses and then sell. They would do that for you. And they would also take some of your antiques and they would sell that as well. And we lived, and it was across the street from a graveyard, but, but it also was a small farm in the middle of an, a metropolitan city in New Jersey, across the street from a fucking graveyard. And there were goats and, and cats and shit. And we had a bunch of uh, German shepherds growing up. And so the Donatos have always kind of been weird people who did things their own way. No one's ever built a fortune yet with the Donato name, but... I'm on the best route to do so, so far. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the summer I discovered country music, I, I wanted to make money playing music. My dad was like, well, you've been playing guitar for two years. You seem to like it. Let's go downtown and, and bring an old Converse shoebox and open up the, see if people give you some money for tips. And, you know, the first day I did that, <clears throat> I made, you know, $5. <laughs> right. And I, I wrote saving up for a Telecaster on it. And, and <laughs> that very day when we were walking back, to the parking garage, uh, there was a bar called Robert's Western World, which I've already mentioned. And the door guy at the time, it was 30 minutes past the hour of when uh, it was 21 up only. But I snuck in under the door guy. He literally just didn't see me. And uh, <laughs> I went and the, the Don Kelly band was setting up to go play. And um, that was the band I ultimately ended up playing 464 shows with at that venue and and, in really developing the first identity of who I am as a adult person and as a musician and um the song that was playing before they started on the house speaker was Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash Mm -hmm. and I never really heard it before 
And uh, still to this day, it brings me back to that place in time when I was discovering so much, was driven by so much, and goals in my life were so simple. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I feel like part of our job as musicians is to kind of have a really strong foot in that dimension of time and space. Um, And so I'm always daily trying to go back to that place uh, mentally, uh, and this song does it for me. Now, how old? How old did you say you were? Fourteen, and I'm 25 14. as we speak. Yeah, I mean, what what about the t- just the overall sort of sound? Had you n- you'd never really heard any country music? It wasn't part of your like your house growing up. The one song there was one record that my dad had. It, it's just so cr- cosmic and crazy, man. There was one song <laughs> my dad had on a CD that on a CD that played. Like there's so every other song in the CD was just fucked. Like nothing played right, just back in. Right. This was, you know, my nine year old sister would never know what I'm talking about now. Music. <laughs> but there was one song that played and it was a song. Uh, Mama tried by Merle Haggard. Yeah. You know, which infamously, as we know now, is like a lot of people think that was a Grateful Dead song, but right. definitely one of Merle Haggard's uh, first singles. I um, hate the dead version because they have that seven in the chorus instead of the four. Oh yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, downtown, a lot of bands, uh, they hate that. Yeah. I like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it's cool. I love Jerry's vocals on that one. That's oh, some man. of Jerry's yeah. best harmony. And, and his, his playing on it is so rad too. I just, I, I, I don't like that seven. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only country song I like ever remembered hearing was mama mm-hmm. tried. And so, you know, which was really funny. I went and saw the Don Kelly band that night and then we drove home and I was like, I got, I, I got to learn country music now, Dad. And it was like, okay, what, what are you going to do? It's like, I think I'm going to work on that song about mama. And I went <laughs> and figured it out. And so it was from that night and it was right around this time. It was right around June. It would have been late May, uh, 11 years ago. So yeah, but this song to me just sounds happy. Like I love happy songs. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much every song on American Beauty sounds happy. Like even yeah. if it's not happy, even if it's more introspective or like Box of Rain, um, more ambient and more abstract in its core definition, nucleus speaking, mm-hmm. it still sounds happy. Um, and I just love happy sounding music. And I, I just think so much of that is prevalent in the dead's music and country music is almost to a fault sometime um, too happy to where it's uh, covering up um, you know, a, a, an altruistic uh, meaning, you know, like Jolene mm. by Dolly Parton's truly a sure. miserable song, but you would never think Dolly Parton's sad. Right, right. So I kind of love that facade that country music puts on. I kind of love that, that it's not just like always trying to, to, to really hone it on home. Like if, if anyone's listening, they really want to see the, a true core definition of that is uh, the song Crying Time by Buck Owens. Or sorry, Together uh, Again, Together Again. Um, uh, oh, yeah, of, yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with that one? Yeah, Brumley's uh, yeah. steel bit, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> uh, so how, do, how should I play this song? Should I just play it as we speak? I'd love to hear it, yeah, if you want to play it. Um, I actually don't know how to play it on guitar. I just have the MP3. Oh, perfect. Well, let's 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 listen to a bit and uh, we'll chat about it some more. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Love is a burning thing, and it makes 
a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire The ring of fire I have I haven't listened to the studio version of that in a long, long time. Those those harmonies in the at the end of the chorus are so good. It's the thing too where it's like I haven't either, <laughs> and so <laughs> I and the horns too. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's a funny thing too. It's like that's a funny thing if you you think about the role of the artist, where it's like Johnny Cash definitely did not have a lot to do with that, and it's like that's so cool when you bring a you bring a song first of you know june carter wrote that song and Mm -hmm. so it's just like johnny had to be the conduit for that song and it's like all the producer involved the the singers involved and just like the simple panning just like the simple stereo image of what we were offered then is like so Mm -hmm. still conducive to a positive experience now it's like you see pop artists like jacob collier like he just put out a song that has 646 tracks on it and it's like Jesus. Just in a quantitative sense, the world is much bigger than it ever was. And it's like, it's much smaller. Like the megabytes of this world are smaller than it's, you know, it's only going to get smaller. And, uh-huh. um, but it's much bigger. We can, and it's just like, it's really crazy to that song. That song puts me in the place of where I was, you know, bound by wild desire. It's like, <laughs> that is the thing. Man. I'd, I'd play on the street for eight hours a day and just, play guitar just play 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 do not stop pouring it out into the world and it's like just do not stop doing that almost like if you ever read like bukowski and it's like this this like (laughs) that's funny you'd mention that (laughs) right with such a contrast but it's like that feverish need to just expel like you like like the like the scroll version of on the road and it's just like this it just feels (laughs) rampant and it's like that you know that's how I kind of play guitar and it's like, that's how I play music and that's kind of how I live life. And it's not by my choice. It's just like the way I've always been, um, bound Mm. by wild desire. I fell into a ring of fire and it's like, you can, the fact that his love of his life wrote that song too, just adds into the, the immense weight that you can just kind of sit on with that song. Um, so that song just means the world to me. It, It truly is a time machine. Like truly. Yeah, I love the the way songs can take you back like that. Um, now, like after you heard that tune, was it were you sort of off and running with the country thing? Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved country music. I loved the fact that um, I still do. Like it's all I listen to, man. Like I'm jogging, I'm jogging. You know, this morning, and it's like I'm listening to like Buck Owens and like Harry Belafonte and like Grateful Dead. <laughs> vampire weekend and then like some johnny cash and it's like i'm listening to like songs that's that are positive and happy but it's like the the concept of country music i just love every single thing about the culture i love it all yeah i even love the bad bro country music that people i like to call popular oh you do yeah i do yeah 
I can. Oh, sorry. What, what what about it? Like the production, the playing, yeah, the, what about the production, it? the musicianship. So yeah. it's like um, artistry at a certain point is something that you need to, uh, you know, not observe if if you know you're not going to like it. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, well, that's fine. But it's like a musician comes to Nashville and they're really good at making music that is competitive and efficient in a modern sense. And it's like they can make a living at that. And they can create a product at scale that reaches a lot of people. And it's like, that's cool. It's like, it's a cool thing. Yeah. It's definitely not something I bring any value to. So like, it doesn't, I, it shouldn't touch my ego at all. But it's like, that stuff's hard to do. It's like, it's very hard to yeah. do. It's hard to get like a MIDI sample to sound like a banjo, to have the same attack time and the same sustain. <laughs> And it's like, that's hard, man. And so it's like, I would never put in the time to do that, but it's cool yeah, that it can be yeah. done. But no, I really love the country music that is country music. Like that to me is definitely mm-hmm. not, you know, at least Coca-Cola yeah. still makes soda. Like if Coca-Cola was like <laughs> making like, you know, like, um, it and sure. And it's like chocolate flavored <laughs> breakfast powder mix. You'd be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And that's what I feel like country music's doing today in a modern sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny, you know, like obviously Chet Atkins is like one of my heroes and favorite guitar players and all that. But like you think about yeah. him being the head of RCA yeah. and, and bringing in that whole new wave of production and sound, which ultimately kind of yep. that's the path, you know. And I, I just wonder what what he would think of think of it. You know? I love the yin and yang <laughs> in life too that kind of unveils itself you know because now dave cobb is the man handler of that studio and it's like yeah he has one la2a which is for anyone who doesn't know what that is it's like like it's um it's like the coca-cola it's the industry standard of all compression and like anything you ever hear that sounds good versus anything that sounds bad the first thing in the signal chain that makes it sound good and listenable to your ear is compression so it's like you know, how many times we've heard an LA-2A, who knows? And it's like, <laughs> that's all he uses, like, to, like, process yeah. Chris Stapleton's vocal. And it's like, damn. So the funny uh, irony in life is, you know, it's kind of like how um, Kanye West, like, the first shoe he ever drew was a Jordan 1. And it's like, <laughs> this past year, the Yeezy sold uh, just, you know, one, just like, what was it, like $10 million under than the Jordan brand. It's like something that wasn't a lot of money. And it's like, just the contrast and the irony in life there is really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the evolution of all of us. You know? Damn. Damn. <laughs> well, shit. So you're, you're 14, you discover country music. What's, what's, uh, what's the next tune? The next tune for me was, um, so the way that uh, I, I'm trying to relate all these to my life, right? And so there was a song that um, the Don Kelly band would usually the first five songs of each. So we would play four hours each night. We'd start at 6.45 and end at 10, around 10.30, 10.45. And it was like... Uh, play straight through or how long We would take, take... Well, it would depend on how many people were in the in the venue and uh, yeah. how long it took to pass the tip jar. Uh-huh. I, now, Robert, that's, that's, it's, a, it's a deep sort of narrow bar, right? Deep and narrow. Deep and narrow, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to think when it was. Yeah, it was whenever we played in Nashville with Phil. Okay, when was that? It was a th- it was Thanksgiving, maybe three years ago. Okay, if it was Thanksgiving, Don was playing. Don always played on I've, Thanksgiving. And there was an upright bass That's player Joe Fick. who was like, 
kind of like a uh, rockabilly sort of dude. Joe Fick. So, so three years ago, you probably saw Porter McClister, who was an older fella, right? Not older, but not young by any stretch Playing of the guitar? imagination. Yeah. It was a young. It was a young. Kid. Oh, Luke McQuarrie. Luke is super good. Luke, Luke is super. It was talented. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I was with Eric Krasno and Alex Coford, and nice. Kras and I were just like standing at the bar, like jaw dropped. Like you know, it was the first time I'd ever been to Nashville. Oh actually. Jesus! And it's like you get the archetype of the young gunslinger. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> Rightfully so. I mean, like, if there's one place in town where that still happens, and it's like. There's one place in town where that's real, and it's like good for good for Roberts for keeping that culture and tradition going. Yeah, um, totally. But they would play this song that Don would always say was a bluegrass song, and I didn't know what bluegrass was at the time. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, "This is a song by Jimmy Martin," and he would just kick it off super fast. And then you just have this electric Telecaster, clean, just super clean. Um, mm-hmm. come and play over that song that is like, it's like Mastodon. It's like, it's the same thing as shredding, except it's much harder because you don't have any distortion to back you up. Right, right, exactly, yeah. And you have a melody to adhere to. Yeah. And it's like, that to me is huge. Like, if you ever, if you ever come to a Cosmic Country show, it's like the guitar... Like we hear like help on the way Slipknot. It's like Jerry gets distorted there. It's like, I don't get, I maybe get into a 25% range of distortion close to that sonic spectrum where it's like, Hmm. I'm basically a very loud acoustic instrument. It's like a Telecaster through a Fender amp. So it's like the amount of sustain I'm getting is very little. The amount of um, mid highs and highs that I'm resting in is very similar to the top three strings of like a Martin D18 or D24, right? Just like those Mm -hmm. Thompson guitars, Billy Strings plays. It's like, Except I'm just way louder than all those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's that was the ins- that was the inspiration for me to truck driving man is the next song I want to play, and it was like hell yeah, you know, insane. So um, yeah, let me play some of it for you. All right. Well, I stopped at a roadhouse in Texas, a little place called Hamburg Dan. And I heard that old jukebox playing a song about a truck driving man. And pour me another cup of coffee, for it is the best in the land. And I'll put a quarter in the jukebox and play the truck driving man. I called that a waitress some coffee And I thanked her and I called her back again And I said that old song sure just fit me For I'm a truck driving man And pour me another cup of coffee For it is the best in the land And I'll put a nickel in the jukebox And play the truck driving man Ha! Uh. 
another cup of coffee For it is best in the land And I'll put a nickel in the jukebox And play the truck driving man Then on Broadway you always walk things back up to the five Even if you don't have to And play the truck driving man That's kind of the vibe. But here's the funny thing. Yeah, man. Um, the, a, a big concept for Cosmic Country is that, um, is that, so the, kind of the, what's the, the concept of Cosmic is that it has a, in the definition of it is that it's, it, it's, it's unbelievably vast and ever expansive in its meaning. And so, and that makes sense if you think of the cosmos. It's ever expanding sure. and it's unbelievably vast. Well, the concept and what country stands for, head west, young man, explore. It's like, that's the whole concept of where it's like, there's chaos that you should turn into order. There is a story to be had and an adventure for you to have to go out and explore and derive a story from. And so cosmic and country are kind of the same things. And it's like almost like the concept of country is our own version of the cosmos here on this physical plane of earth. And it's like, check this part out on this last verse of the Jimmy Martin version of truck driving man that I didn't discover until years later. Hmm. It's fucking heavy, dude. (laughs) (laughs) When I, my call up to glory and they take me away from this land I'll drive my truck up in heaven cause I'm a truck driving man pour me another cup of coffee what's crazy about that it's like that's him saying this is what I do with my life like and this is what I was born to do. I'm going to keep on doing it. And it's like, mm-hmm. what is the song trucking about? It's like the same thing. Yeah. You know, I, I heard, I can't remember who was talking about it, but um, uh, tr- that they had talked to Bob and that with that tune, the original idea, because you, you know the story, like when they wrote the song, when they got busted in, yeah. in New Orleans and all that shit. And um, I, I guess... At, at some point, the original idea was to have that song Never evolve yes. and keep adding verses to it and all yes. that kind of thing. Well, what? Oh, holy shit! So, are we not getting on the concept of the very nature of the cosmos, which is an ever-expanding <laughs> thing? Right. Which is which is you you know you talk about bringing order to chaos, and I think it's equally important to bring cha- uh, uh, yes. chaos to order. You know, <laughs> the yin and yang, my friend. The yin indeed, and yang. It's, indeed. <laughs> So that verse, I discovered that verse last year and mm. it dropped me in my tracks. You know, I always thought that was a Buck Owens song. I didn't know it was a Jimmy Martin song. Right, B- right. Billy Strings had told me it was a Jimmy Martin song. And if Billy's going to tell me anything about bluegrass, I'm going to believe him. That's, <laughs> that's his domain of expertise, right? Um, just as if like, if I were to give him a Buck Owens fact, he'd be best to believe what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's crazy, man. Like the sea trucking uh takes a while to pick a place to go and just keep on trucking on it's like what a spiritual spiritual not in the sense of any religion but wake up and figure out what you do with your life and stick to it and bob weir to me is the lighthouse 
of of that in my existence like presently it's like you do the you it's very jiro dreams of sushi it's very japanese Hmm. in concept where it's like you find your domain of expertise and you evolve your community and your world around that and it's like trucking and it's the whole concept of trucking west trucking out into the chaos using your vehicle of what you were born to do to go and explore this world and tell your story through that way and it's like you know and the fact that it's hamburger dan's in that first verse just freaks me out (laughs) (laughs) uh so that song there's also a video of that song of like me the first time seeing don kelly's band play it me Uh just like literally baffled in tears in the corner because i never i had never seen a guitar i'd never seen a band that close up the only concert I'd ever seen was a Motley Crue show, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So like, I went and saw this country band. It like changed my life, and it, you know, I, I learned now that the guitar is something, I, and the music that I play is something that happens through me. But it's like at the time, I was yeah. like, I want to be the best guitar player that's ever walked this earth, and it's like. I saw that song get played right before my eyes and it changed my world forever. And it's like yeah. the same reason why, you know, I'm talking to you today. So. Yeah. When did you start playing? How old were you? I was 12. I was really uh-huh. bad at skateboarding and all my <laughs> friends skateboarded and, but I had a guitar here at my house <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, we would go and play that, you know, after school. And, um, that's how I got into the, the culture of music in the, in the sense of, you know, rock and roll, et cetera. And, um, then I decided after hearing Paradise City by Guns N' Roses that I wanted to pick up the guitar. There was kind mm-hmm. of that tenacity, uh, tenacity of vision, of a vision of self, of seeing yourself do something. Um, that was the first time I ever experienced that in my life. Everything, you know, when you're 12, you don't even really like, you're not even really a human. Like you're not even like really <laughs> saying sentences. Like you're just kind of repeating words. <laughs> so uh-huh. It's not like you have a vision for what you want to do. Um, right. I'm sure some absolute geniuses do but for guitar for me it gave me a vision for my life and um so yeah that's why i started playing and that was the first so i thanks to guitar hero (laughs) interesting that's amazing it's cool man it's it's the concept to it especially with all the fortnite life and like twitch you know yeah i don't um, even know what any of that shit is i still don't here's the one thing that is yeah i know like people will play gigs on twitch and like a million people will watch but I, I don't, I don't know anything. I mean, like, Mahali did some gig, or is TikTok, or I don't know, something. The audience was like enormous on on one of those things. He was Mahali. <laughs> so, like, definitely the thing that. So you and I, I look at musicians as day traders of serotonin and attention, <laughs> and how much attention and how much how much attention do you have, and how much serotonin do you deal out to the people whose attention you have. Mm-hmm. And um, that's for any entertainer. You know what I mean? And it's like we some it, and we have different ways of cultivating said things now. And uh, the thing that we need to know about Twitch and gaming is that this is the only thing you need to know is that the time that I think the guy's name is Dragon or some shit like that, Ninja, when he <laughs> played his game of Fortnite with, a, I think it was Drake. I don't know any Drake song, so no one disliked me. But it was like, it got more views, viewership live than the Super Bowl did. And it was <laughs> at 3 a.m. So we need to know, like we owe it to humanity and ourselves to admit that where we spend our time and what we deem as important is changing. We are in the middle of a, of a printing press size res- revolution in humanity. 
And it's like, that is freaking crazy. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's overwhelming because there seems to be a new one every six months or something. It's a very new kind fast. of platform or, or a new community or whatever. It's very and fast, yeah. It's, 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 it's hard to keep up. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 33 and this shit makes me feel like an old man, you know? Dude, <laughs> I think the thing too is like, that's the thing too. You see a bunch of people like myself included, like who have multiple platforms of which they're trying to uh, reach, you know, reach their community of people. And it's like, um, specialization is it in the podcast space is only going to get bigger. Like if you think about, Oh, it's great. Like Joe just Rogan. during this quarantine. Oh yeah. dude. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I, I, this is like I've I've already put out you know twenty episodes of this thing. I just started. You know what I mean? It's like oh wow, and, and everybody's doing it, it, it and it, and it's awesome to see because it's it's not you know any of the new stuff that I've seen. It, it's not just like bullshit. There, there's passion and authenticity behind it too. You know what I mean? So that's that's cool to see. I think the podcast thing to me is a really interesting platform. Oh my god, dude! It is like, to me, it's like my favorite thing aside from playing music. How long have you been doing yours? I put I put out my first episode in September of last year. I go uh-huh. much slower than you, though. I go like one one a week, one every two weeks. Yeah. Um, just because it's not entirely plug and play for me. Like it takes a while to edit down an episode, and uh-huh. um, so and I want it to be something that I keep on doing. So there's parts yeah. of me that's a worker bee, just coming from. Um, you know, the work, like the, um, the work ethic of my family and, 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 and basically just the house I grew up in. It's like, if you don't work 12 hours a day, what are you doing? And so it's like, um, I try to combat that with like actually not sounding tired and not sounding uninspired because that's what makes any piece of art have life. And so one, one a week, one every two weeks is good for me. Yeah, Um, totally. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I I mean I feel that that same kind of thing and during this quarantine it's been like this really nice outlet for me you know and it's it's this sort of idea that I've had for a while and I kind of put off you know for one reason yep. or another and now there's yep. just like no excuse not to do it. <laughs> well yeah quarantine has instantly caused us to reach into the back of the freezer and like pick the best one you ever like oh the yeah. ones in the back are the ones in the back are colder they're better <laughs> it's like <laughs> there was a little ideas that we've been saving back there quarantine expedited you to roll up your sleeves like 10 years and just do yeah. it like that fast yeah. and so it's and like, I, I think i'd be going nuts if i wasn't staying busy you know what i mean it's dude, like yeah yeah it, it's it's so weird not having you know gigs to look forward to or like you know, traveling oh, or anything like just seeing the calendar disappear, you know? Oh my God, man. Oh <laughs> man. It's very strange. It's, the, um, it's the, it's the concept to me and John Mayer is one of my, I, I was born in 95. So like, I feel like I'm just at that cuffs to where like John Mayer affects like every musician born in that time. Hmm. Like even, like even on a hip hop scale, because it's like you see people like Travis Scott who like called John Mayer this, uh, you know, like he is hip hop. And it's like, I don't really get that, but it's like, even to hear people like that, who's only 28, 29 years old say that. So like he said something that's fantastic. And it was like the concept of like you to reinvent yourself, you literally have to die and come back to life again. And again, going back to the irony of life, what's the best way to come, what's the best way to die and come back to life again via the Grateful Dead? <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> you know, 
it's the concept too where I feel like part of me has literally died during this quarantine and new parts of me are arising. New parts of mm. me that have had awareness and empathy for self um, and others. Um, I did not have access to those even just in March. And it's like, it's very strange. So it's like, definitely for me, it's been a good molting, molting of the shell. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's great. I mean, have you been, have you been, uh, you, you talked about trying, wanting to write a song kind of about, you yeah. know, this, this new thing yeah. that we're going through, but have you been, have you been writing yeah. uh, uh, throughout the whole process here? Yeah, dude, I, I have been, I put up a lot of demos on my Patreon page and, um, yeah, I've written like, um, just on the desktop here. Um, I, I definitely have gotten, uh, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like 15 songs, Shit, yeah. uh, during this quarantine. But you know, that's not, that's another thing too, that as I get 25, um, a lot of my heroes are not 25. <laughs> and sure. so, uh, in the, and the general theme that they all tend to is qual- quality over quantity. Right, and um so you know i'm trying to focus on that and yeah so th- yeah well right on um let's let's uh let's hear about one more song yeah dude ah, so this song um <laughs> this song was the first you know friend of the devil is the song uh-huh. and uh jason isbell talks about songs in the way that um someone asked rick rubin asked jason isbell it's like do you how do you sing songs that are about you becoming sober with such life, even though it's been seven years since you become sober. It's like, that's a long time. A human has changed many, many worlds you've come since you've left home, <laughs> um, you know, since that time. And it's like, he goes, well, a song is like an ashtray in a movie scene. And it's like, think of an ashtray at 12 p.m. with no cigarettes in it versus an ashtray at 3 a.m. when everyone's at the table and there's, you know, 34 buds in it. And it's like the functionality and the meaning of the ashtray is what changes and although the item itself stays the same the literal the literal of itself stays the same and the meaning the functionality of it changes and so friend of the devil for me it started out as the first uh introduction to jerry garcia on a vocal level i was ever introduced to which is um holy shit and then Mm -hmm. um acoustic guitar was the first acoustic guitar i remember hearing um so but why this song <laughs> actually yeah. means the world to me is uh, because uh, I was driving home from, from a gig one day, uh, and I lived in a town called Spring Hill, super small town, and uh, I was driving home on Kreitz Lane. It was 11.30 at night, and I had to wake up at 6 a.m. to practice before school the next morning, and I was driving home very fast, uh, 75 miles per hour on like a 35-mile-per-hour road, so I could have gone to jail. And I was 16. I just started driving, and I was wearing one of my mom's like velvet blazers from Talbot's and like I had hair that was just like ridiculous. Like I looked like weird Al and I was a 16 year old kid driving home with $300 in cash, uh, you know, 1130 at night. And so I got pulled over and, uh, I was such a nice kid that I got out of the car to shake the cop's hand <laughs> and it was so dark. And uh, the cop instantly, I just see this figure from the darkness with his hand on his side, you know, like weapon equipped. Sure. And he goes, ma'am, get (laughs) back in the vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) And I just lost, I lost it, Ross. Like, 
it it was a terrible moment and oh. uh <laughs> he comes up with his flashlight and he goes he goes well damn sorry <laughs> <laughs> and he goes tell me son why were you driving so damn fast this time of night and i go well officer i was listening to a song <laughs> <laughs> and he turns off the flashlight and he pauses and he he said what song <laughs> <laughs> and i said friend of the devil by grateful dead and he said right answer get home safely no way <laughs> and that moment for me which if the grateful dead is has this is probably i mean that for me was the most pivotal moment that the grateful dead has ever brought to me which is that i uh, tell the truth and what should happen will happen hmm. um yeah man let the results take care of itself which is what they do to a fault the grateful dead <laughs> <laughs> you know, so tell the truth and what should happen will happen. Um, and so I carry that moment with me everywhere I go. That's great. man. Yeah. So uh, here's some of that. <laughs> I lit up for me, no, I was trail about 20 hands. Didn't get to sleep that night till the morning came around. Said I'll run on, but take my time. Friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. Ran down to the devil, baby, loan me twenty bits. Spent the night in Utah in a cave up in the hill. Said I'll run him, but I take my time. Friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. And I wrote this little piece to it the other day. But I take my time Friend of the devil is a friend of mine I get home before daylight Just might get some sleep Tonight Something like that <laughs> Yeah man <laughs> uh, That last lyric though that Robert Hunter Sang Was, was it uh, You can borrow The $20 bill bit Oh man that That verse to me is wild I love that verse. Phil always sings that verse. Oh, does he really? Yeah. Yeah. If you listen to, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I think probably, I mean, as long as I've played with him, he's always sang that verse. Wow, man. So if That's you listen awesome. to any versions of him doing that in the last, God, eight years hmm. or so at this point, um, you, you'll hear him do it. Were you it's playing so with good. Phil when J.D. Simo played with y'all? No. Okay. 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 Yeah, JD Simo, who was my first guitar hero aside from Slash, played with Phil on a couple gigs at Terrapin. Um, I remember really? being yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it being kind of a big deal, and um, who knows? But I was wondering if maybe he were in the band that night, or because it was recently, like it was in the past two, three years. Oh, you know, 
I no, I wasn't there. I think I had I I was because there was a period of time like you know I I tour managed Phil. I did I put bands together. I booked the the great room at Terrapin. I did all kinds of shit. Um, but I've been in I've been in Denver for a while now. But I I I remember seeing that when that happened. I wasn't there at that point. Mm, I say cool. Well, that's all good. Yeah. JD, you got to check him out if you haven't had him on the podcast I ha- yet. I haven't, yeah. He would be, uh, especially in, in regards to how musical this whole thing is, it's not, you know, he would be the like the next guy I would like call to have on this podcast. Interesting, He's cool. Great yeah. wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Well, man, I, I can't <clears throat> thank you enough for taking the time. It's really good to talk to you and hear about these uh, these tunes, man. Dude, thank you for giving me this uh this concept to sit down and, and trace my, my story is actually giving me a lot of perspective and uh, helping me through this weird time of like existential question, um, questioning. Yeah, so it, I thank you sincerely. Like it's a real pleasure and the community of people that you reach and bring value to are, are the people that I'm trying to contribute my present work to like on a daily basis. So thank you so much for like giving me the platform to be able to talk to these people. And it's like, Oh yeah, it man. I think the that uh, world. they will receive it all. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Nice. <laughs> I look forward to hearing the new album too. Thank you, dude. Yeah. It's coming out. Uh, hopefully uh, it is coming out on July 31st of uh, the compass records. And awesome. um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. A young okay. man's country. The first cosmic country album by Daniel Donato. Sick. Well, I look forward to it and uh, stay safe during all this craziness. And I hope to see you, you know, live one of these days soon. <laughs> yes, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise, you will several times. Sweet, man. We'll take care and uh, be good, man. All right, brother. You too. See ya. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Daniel Donato. Make sure you keep an eye peeled for his new record, A Young Man's Country, out July 31st. You can pre-order that vinyl right now. And if you're liking the podcast, give us a follow on Instagram at Songs That Save Me. Don't forget to leave us a review right here in the Apple Podcast Store. And stay tuned for more right here on Songs That Save Me.